Greetings, podcast listeners. My name is Sam Powers, and I welcome you to my sermon podcast. This is Baptism of the Lord Sunday in the Christian calendar. And as I read from this, I'm going to be looking at Genesis, but I want us to also think about Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. It's Mark's version of the baptism of Jesus. And as we think about that, of how that relates to the scripture today. And now as we hear our scripture reading this morning, it comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. As we read from this, I invite us to hear it in relation to baptism of the Lord Sunday. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. And now, gracious God, as we gather here, as we think about who we are in relation to you, and as we meditate on your word, we had asked that your Holy Spirit would indeed be among us within our meditations, within our thoughts, within our prayers. We pray all these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Two American men were touring Europe, and they're scheduled to arrive in France Sunday afternoon. However, they arrived several hours early and had little to do on Sunday morning while everything else was closed. Well, one says to the other, pointing to a nearby cathedral, why don't we attend Mass? Sure, replies his friend, but we don't know how the French pray, and we can't speak French. The first guy thinks of a solution. We'll pick a guy in front of us, and whatever he does, we'll do that. His friend agrees, and so they enter the church, they sit close to the front, and they choose a guy. Fifteen minutes pass, and their plan is working well. Thirty minutes, no issues. By the time 45 minutes pass, they've gotten used to the routine. And suddenly, while everyone is seated, the priest says something in French, and the gentleman they chose stands up. And without thinking, the two Americans stand up as well. And the church bursts into laughter. Realizing that no one else is standing up, the two American men quickly sit back down in embarrassment. They wait for the mass to end, and then they approach the priest, who also spoke English. We're well-meaning people. We don't speak French, and we just chose some guy to imitate while praying, one says. The priest chuckles. Ah, you're probably wondering why everyone laughed at you. Yes, replied the other American. Well, you see, I announced the baptism of a child, and I asked for the father of the child to please stand up. As we look at this passage from Genesis, we are reminded that today it is tied to the earlier scripture in Mark, where we read about the baptism of Jesus. And we see how this points to how baptism is tied to the creation of the universe. Now, it is important to understand that Genesis is not a science lesson. They didn't observe the same rules for science when it was written. And this is not history. They didn't record events with the same standard that we have today. This is theology. It tells us about who God is. And as we remember one of the most famous passages from the Bible, John 3.16, we hear, For God so loved the world. And this is the beloved world that God is creating. And so as we consider how this passage relates to baptism, we see the second verse which states that, quote, A wind from God swept over the face of the waters. 
Of course, wind can be translated in Hebrew also as breath or spirit. And within baptism, we understand that the Spirit of God sweeps over the water in the sense that we receive the Holy Spirit at our baptism with the administration of the water. Now, there is something elemental about water that is used in baptism that ties us to the very beginning of creation. It is very basic. Do you remember the old black and white video footage of the civil rights marches in the 60s? Martin Luther King often was at the front and received his share of stinging high-pressured water hoses. Dr. King once remarked that he and the other marchers had a common strength. He put it this way, As we went before the fire hoses, we had known water. If we were a Baptist or some other denomination, we had been immersed. If we were Methodist and some others, we had been sprinkled. But we knew water. It was a reminder that sometimes our baptism calls us to suffer, just as Jesus suffered. But baptism is stronger than suffering. Baptism reminds us that resurrection is right around the corner. And so how do we see the resurrection present in this passage from Genesis? As we look at that second verse again, Dr. Valerie Bridgman, professor at the Methodist School of Theology in Ohio, tells us that the words translated as swept is uh, merahapet. This is a feminine participle in Hebrew that could also be translated as fluttered or shimmied. And her students decided that the Spirit of God danced over the face of the deep. And she states, Creation was a joyful party full of cosmic sound and motion of what could be. And I like this metaphor, the idea that creation began with a dance, because I like to dance. When I was younger, I used to think that it was all about romance. And I can remember circling the dance floor as a teenager looking for someone to cut out of the herd and get up my courage and ask them to dance. It was always so intimidating to approach a group of girls, and of course, they were always together. And while it is exciting to have someone interested enough to dance with you, I think I also just wanted to fit in with everybody else. At some point, I realized that it's not so much about romance as being included, of celebrating and joy together. And so today at church dances or camp dances, I try to include a lot of line dancing in these. They take the pressure off of getting a partner and allow everybody to participate. So you'll see me out there dancing and encouraging others to take part. It's not about romance, not really, but it is about the joy of movement together and music and life. It calls us back to the very beginning. God began creation with a dance. Baptism also ties us to forgiveness that we receive in Christ. Sam Houston was the first president of the Republic of Texas and is said that he was a rather nasty fellow with a checkered past. And later in his life, Houston made a commitment to Christ and was baptized in a river. And the preacher said to him, Sam, your sins are washed away. And Houston replied, God help the fish. This reminds us that we do need to take the sins of our past seriously. But at the same time, the resurrection spirit we find in the waters of baptism allow us to define ourselves in a new and different way. Jay Evanson wrote about Victoria Rivolo, a 44-year-old collection agency manager, and 19-year-old Ryan Cushing. Mr. Cushing and his friends stole a credit card and then took off on a shopping spree for no apparent reason. They stole a 20-pound frozen turkey and proceeded to throw it from their speeding vehicle headlong into the windshield of the car that was driven by Victoria Rivolo. The result? 
the victim underwent surgery for six hours as metal plates and other pieces of hardware were fitted together in an effort to rebuild her face. The prosecutor in Rivolo's case stated that for crimes such as this one, victims often feel no punishment is harsh enough. In fact, death doesn't even satisfy them, the attorney stated. But how did Victoria react to what had happened to her? She was primarily concerned with salvaging the life of her 19-year-old assailant. She did not seek revenge in any way. She sought information about the youth and how he was raised, insisting that he be offered a plea deal. The deal was that he could plead guilty to second-degree assault, be put in the county jail for six months, and placed on one year's probation. Of course, if she wanted to be punitive, he could have been sent to prison for 25 years, returning to society middle-aged with no job skills or prospects. According to Evanson, this is only half the story. The rest of it, what happened the day this all played out in court, is the truly remarkable part. The young man walked carefully and tentatively to where his victim was seated in the courtroom. And with tears and in a whisper, he apologized, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. He and Victoria embraced, both weeping. She stroked his head, patted him on the back, and comforted him. It's okay, she said. I just want you to make the, your life the best it can be. It was reported that hardened prosecutors and even reporters were choking back tears. Our baptism ties us to forgiveness in a way that where it becomes a part of our lives. We recognize our forgiveness, and so we extend forgiveness. It is a way of looking at people less harshly. Victoria may have saved Ryan Cushing's life. But she did so because she recognized that hers had already been saved. Baptism ties us to forgiveness in Christ. It takes us back to the beginning. We remember that creation does not begin with anger or retribution, but with joy. And finally, baptism ties us to the body of Christ. Some of you may remember the episode from the old Andy Griffith show in which the Women's Historical Society discovered that a living descendant of a revolutionary hero was living right there in Mayberry. The news generated excitement and curiosity throughout the town as people made plans for recognizing the hero's relative. Barney Fife, of course, twisted his own family tree to the point that he put himself in line for the honor. The rest of the townspeople felt special just because someone among them was related to a hero. However, everyone was shocked when the person was finally revealed. A careful analysis of the genealogical records determined that the hero's descendant was none other than Otis Campbell, the town drunk. Despite suggestions to find a substitute Otis for the presentation, the real Otis showed up for the ceremony, true to form. When the ladies finally gave him the plaque, Otis holds it in his hands for a moment and then decides to give the plaque back to the town. He tells them, just because you're the descendant of a hero doesn't make you one too. So I would like to present this plaque to the town of Mayberry, to which I am just proud to belong. This reminds us of the body of Christ. Paul reminds us that we shouldn't place stock on who baptized whom, but it is about what being baptized does. It initiates us into the body of Christ. We take on this identity along with all the rest of the baptized. Now, Methodists baptize infants. Babies certainly don't deserve it. They haven't done anything to warrant membership other than being born. They haven't memorized any Bible verses. They haven't gone on any mission trips or helped anyone significantly. They can't even show gratitude for this gift. 
To baptize an infant reminds us that whether we're an adult, a teen, a child, or even a baby, the grace comes from God to us. And this is what allows us to find our identity in the body of Christ. It takes us back to the beginning. And we hear God saying, look, I am doing something new. And God is dancing over the waters. Amen.